If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today. Luke chapter 24. Can you believe that it's already the end of the school year? Teachers, are you all excited about that? Already the end of the school year? Well, my 11-year-old had one more big project to finish before the end of the school year, and so she had to do a presentation on malaria. I think I have a poster that she made on malaria up there, and so when your child does a school project, you get peppered with all sorts of facts. Hey, Dad, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? And so I, I learned this week that malaria is a major, major disease in our world. In fact, uh, sub-Sahara in Africa, it is a big-time problem. It's primarily transferred through mosquito bites. And this here was the real tragic news that hit me, and that is that 450,000 people a year die from malaria. And most of these most of these people are young children in Africa. The Natural, Nat- National Institute for Mathematical and Biological Synthesis did some research and they came to the conclusion that the easiest, that, that we could easily remove malaria as a major threat in Africa. And what would need to be done is to have bed nets, these nets that people sleep under that have been treated with an insecticide. And they cost about $2 a piece. And if 75% of those that live in these infested areas would just simply use the bed nets, then very soon malaria would no longer be a major threat. Now imagine that you received a certified letter from a law firm. Right off the bat, that would get your attention, would it not? Certified letter from a law firm. And so you open it up, and, and you discover that you have this uncle, and he has left you a warehouse full of millions and millions of bed nets. The exact kind of bed nets that are needed to save millions of lives. And in fact, if you can get these bed nets where they need to go, you can change the course of history. However, it says in the letter that you must be the one. That you must be the one that starts it, that starts the life-saving mission of getting these nets to people. Now, what would you do? How would you go about getting those nets out, getting the word out? Uh, you might start on social media and post on Facebook or tweet, hey, I just received 500 warehouses full of bed nets. I need help distributing them. Can you help me get the word out? You might hit the talk show circuit. I, I have the solution. I have them all. You might, you might make guest appearances on various shows, things like that. Try to gather people together to be ambassadors for the cause. It would be very important that you began getting it beyond just you and, and you really got the word out. 2,000 years ago, the creator of the universe crossed the cosmos and took on flesh. He too had a mother who nurtured him and raised him, but he he was not an ordinary child. He was the eternal Son of God who had taken on flesh. And he brought with him the answer to our universal problem. 
He brought with him the answer to sin. Sin, the disease of the human heart. Sin, the disease of the soul. Sin, which is a terminal disease because it ultimately leads in each of our lives to death and it also leads to brokenness and injustice within our society. And so Jesus brings with him some incredible news. He he brings with him the cure. Everyone may have forgiveness. Everyone may have eternal life. Everyone has meaning. Everyone has a new sense on life. Who can have, you can have purpose, but he calls us simply to hear the news of Jesus and to believe. Now, there's four questions that I, I want us to wrestle with today, and here they are. Number one, what is the good news of the gospel? Number two, how does God want this news delivered? Number three, how far is this news supposed to go? And number four, who is supposed to deliver it? Now, this is a monumental day. This is a day that skeptics said would never happen. This is the day that we finish the book of Luke. I tell you. It's been a great journey through the life of Christ in the book of Luke. And in verse 46, he calls his disciples together and he says, This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Now, right here, we find answers to the four questions that I posed to you right here in the text. The first question was, what is the good news? And the Bible teaches us right here that the good news, or what we call the gospel, is that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed. That's the good news. Now, the good news is not, hey, come check out our awesome church. That's not the good news. Now, the good news is not, hey, we have an incredible band. We have a lot of fun stuff for the kids. Hey, there's great friendships to be had here. Hey, we have a really cool pastor who wears skinny jeans and has tats and purple sunglasses. I don't like purple sunglasses, so, you know, that's not going to happen. I guess the whole thing's not going to happen, actually, if I just tell you the truth. But, you know, I don't have any problem with, I don't have any problem with the other stuff. Anyway, the good news is not our church. We have a, a great church. It's an awesome place. I like to say that we're big enough to have something for everyone and yet still small enough to feel like family. But the good news is not about leading people to be a part of our church or part of our group. It's about leading people to eternal hope in Jesus Christ. It's something more than just, y'all come and y'all join us. The good news is about eternal answers to real life, eternal problems. The good news is anchored in who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And so you see there in the text who Jesus is. He's 
the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He is the one that was sent by God to pour out God's Spirit upon everyone. He is the sinless one. And and what did he do? He suffered on the cross for our sins, and he rose again. Why? So that he might bring forgiveness of sins. And the Bible says that this good news is received when we repent and believe. So you have good news in Jesus Christ, and the call of Jesus Christ is that we would repent of playing the God role, we would repent of turning to our own ways, and we would turn to Him, and and we would believe. Now here's the second question. How does God want this good news proclaimed? Now if I were God, I would write it in the sky. I would write it on our hearts. I would announce that there is good news everywhere I could. I I would want everyone to know. And in a lot of ways, that's exactly what God did. He testifies to His presence. He testifies to His goodness. He testifies to His artistry. He testifies to uh, His grace everywhere you look. When you see the beauty of a sunrise, it testifies to God's goodness. Have you ever sat beside a lake? as the sun was coming up, and you just saw the stillness of the water and how peaceful that is. The majesty of the mountains and how God chisels those mountains and the beauty of those mountains. and They testify to the glory of God. God could have made all food just taste exactly the same. But nah, He brought us bluebell ice cream. And God brought us Rocky Road Bluebell ice cream. Hallelujah for Rocky Road Bluebell ice cream. And they all testify to the fact that God is a good God. God is a God who has beauty and love and the love of your family, your desire for purpose, your basic need for hope. They all testify to the fact that there is a God and that there is good news. And God even put the good news down on paper. So that whenever we open the Bible, we can read the good news, we can study the good news, we can share the written good news of God with other people. But then God did something that I I don't know that I would have done. God entrusted His followers to proclaim the good news. Now think about that. Because we know each other. And God entrusted us to be the ones that proclaim the good news. As verse 47 talks about, it says, and repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then He looks at His disciples and He says, you are witnesses. So what Jesus is saying to His followers, if you consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, then He calls us to proclaim in His name to all nations the good news. Jesus' method for sharing the good news is for you and me to be witnesses of the good news. God has worked in me so that He may work through me. Let's say that together. God has worked in me so that He may work through me. So this leads us to the third question. How far is the good news supposed to go? Well, verse 47 gives us the scope. It says that we would share the good news, we would be witnesses to all nations. Now that means, in a literal sense, all people groups. That all people groups might hear the good news. 
And this was to begin at Jerusalem. That's where they lived. So Acts 1 verse 8 explains this a little bit more clearly. He says to the disciples there in Acts 1 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. Now make sure you catch that part because the power to do this is not something that we find within ourselves. It's something that comes through the Holy Spirit of God. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here's where we see how the good news is supposed to spread. We're to be witnesses. We're supposed to start right where we, right where we are. The disciples lived in Jerusalem, and so he says, you're going to start in Jerusalem, and then it's going to go into your region, into all Judea. Then it's going to cross boundaries. It's going to cross uh, cultural boundaries, faith boundaries. It's going to go into Samaria, and then ultimately the good news is supposed to go to every person, every people group in the world. The answer to, all, the, answer to the question of how far is the good news supposed to go? Is it supposed to go to everyone? But notice that it begins right where you are. It begins with you. It begins right where you are. It's graduation season. Anyone in here a graduate or have a graduate in the family? Anyone have any graduates in the family? All right. Yeah, let's see. Anybody, anybody actually graduating right now? Lauren, you're graduating? Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, we got a graduate over here. Okay, got other graduates. Got graduate up here. All right, this is another graduate there. Right. I see those hands. Yes, I feel like Billy Graham. Yes, I see those hands. Y'all come. The buses will wait as we sing. Yeah. Um, sorry, bad Billy Graham imitation. But it's graduation season, May seventeenth, two thousand fourteen, at the University of Texas commencement. Now, I know that I almost lost all the Aggies in the room just by saying that, but stick with me, okay? It'll be all right, and the Sooners as well. At the University of Texas commencement, Admiral William McGraven delivered one of the great speeches of our generation. And he began this masterful speech by talking about UT's slogan. UT's slogan is, what starts here changes the world. And he began to point out to the crowd, that if everyone in the room could change 10 lives, that in just a couple of generations they could change the world. If they in the room could change 10 lives and those people could change 10 lives, then before long you could literally impact the entire world. And then he told the graduates about something that he had learned through years and years of training Navy SEALs. That's, that's what he did. He trained Navy SEALs. And he said this, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. All the moms in here say amen. That's right. If you want to change the world, you start by making your bed. He said that one act of discipline that begins your day, it sets the course for a life that is expanding. It sets the course for a life that is being lived on purpose, And it also reminds you whenever you come home at the end of a long, hard day that a new day is about to begin. And even if you failed in this previous day, you go to sleep and you start again the next day. The good news is to be shared with every person on earth, but it begins with you loving the person right in front of you. 
It begins with you just starting right where you are, caring about that person that you're talking about and loving them. So here's the fourth question. Who is supposed to deliver the good news? Who's supposed to be the witnesses? Was this just, was this just for the 12 disciples of Jesus? Is this just for pastors or missionaries? Who's supposed to be the witnesses? And, and the answer to that question is, is you and I are supposed to be the witnesses of Jesus. Now, what, is, what are the biggest things that stop us from being witnesses? What are the big things that would stop you from sharing your faith with someone? Well, the first thing probably that stops us is our own self-centeredness. We're, we're busy with our own lives. We're thinking about ourselves. And I, I will say that one of the biggest enemies of Christianity expanding is what I would call consumer Christianity. This viewpoint that thinks that Christianity is just all about me and that, that Jesus lived and died and he rose again in order to make me special. And so I just take in, take in, take in, take in, and I never give out. Hear me on this. The, the greatest joy of Christianity, the true power of Christianity, truly living Christianity, goes beyond the borders of ourselves. You really experience the deep, deep joy of what it means to be alive in Christ when you get beyond yourself. And one of the things that will kill a church, kill spiritual growth, kill relationships, is whenever we only think about yourself. Here's the reality. Again, God works in me so that He may work. When God works through me, that's pretty special. When you think about the fact that God has created you in such a way that He may work through you and that your life is supposed to be a part of something that is so much bigger than you, your life is supposed to be a part of the eternal story of God, and if you can get beyond yourself to see that I may join God in His work, it, it is amazing the world that God begins to open up to you at that point. But sometimes our self-centeredness or our busyness they keep us from being witnesses. Second thing that keeps us from being a witness is fear. Fear. We're afraid of rejection or we're afraid that we don't know enough. I mean, have you ever been in that situation where you're talking about your faith and you're just afraid they're going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to? I've been in seminary. I don't know. And so we back off from talking about it because we're afraid that we don't know enough. Now, Make sure you catch the fact that the Holy Spirit has been given to you. Jesus said in verse 49 that you have been empowered on high. Jesus didn't say that we are to have every answer to every question that is thrown at us. He said that we are to be a witness. Simply be able to testify about what's happened in your own life. Being a witness is not about how much you know, it's about who you know. And if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you can be a witness of Christ to other people. Yet sometimes that fear keeps us from sharing who we know. And here's a third thing. I don't know how. Well, actually, 
I would be a witness, but I, I just don't know how. If you downloaded the Live Conversations app, go ahead and open it up on, on your phone. I'm going to look at it here on my, my phone as well, if I can find it. There it is. Uh, the Live Conversation Guide. Uh, if you don't have it on your phone, then you can, you can also just follow along here on the screen, and you'll see the website where you can get it as well. There are a lot of different ways to share your faith, to be a witness. This is just one way uh, that I just want to share with you because it's simple and I can get my mind around it. If you can draw three circles and three arrows, then you can, you can share the message of Christ. My friend Dan Ha, he has these three circles and these three arrows. He has that on the back of his phone. And whenever he goes to lunch with someone, he just sits his phone on the, the table. And if they ask him, hey, what's that? Then he shares with them the story of the gospel. So it's a simple way. If you've ever been in that conversation where you're talking to someone, they start asking you questions about Christianity, here's a simple way that you can pull out your phone and actually just share with them the gospel. So we swipe to begin. I've got to go this way. Okay, begin. There we go. And the first circle is God's design. And so that you draw that first circle there, that first circle, that first circle, that there, first circle, that, there we are, there we are, okay. So it starts out with God's design. Basically, God didn't design you to live a life of brokenness. He didn't design you to live a life that leads to death, and that's the end. He designed you to bring glory to Him, to live out His purposes for all of your life, and for all eternity, that when God created, He is a God of life. He is a giver of life, and that is His ultimate design for us. And yet, into that world slithered sin. And so, we've all sinned, and we've all experienced the results of sin. We've all had people do things to us that weren't right. We all would acknowledge that, hopefully, we would all acknowledge that we've also done some things, thought some things, had attitudes that we shouldn't have. And that all leads us to the second circle, which is brokenness. Because of sin, we live in a world that experiences brokenness all the time. Now, we read about this. You pull up the news on the Internet, and you'll read stories of brokenness. You look at relationships, and there's often stories of brokenness. And so we understand somewhere within us that something's just not right. That it's not how it's supposed to be. And so those little circles that come off that bigger circle of brokenness, those are the efforts that we sometimes make to get beyond the brokenness. So we try to do good things. We volunteer at a charity. We go to church. We try to help our children. We try to be good people. We try to be upstanding citizens and do all these things to get beyond the brokenness. And yet we still find ourselves in the situation where we live in this world where though there is beauty, there is also darkness. Though there is life, there is also death. And we live in this world that is just not the way it's supposed to be. And so we call out to God and we say, God, why don't you do something about this? Why, why don't you do something that changes our world and makes a, a real difference? And so that's exactly where the gospel comes in. The good news that I have been talking about, that God intervened into our scene and that He sent His Son. His Son lived the life that in our brokenness we cannot live. His Son died for our sins so that we might be redeemed in Christ. And so we have the good news of the gospel that is available to all people. Well, how do we receive 
the good news of the gospel. Well, the second arrow explains that. We repent. To repent means to turn. We turn from our self-sufficiency. We turn from living life as if we are God and we are in control. We return from our sins in repentance and we place our faith in Jesus Christ, believing in Him as Savior and Lord. Now, believing in Jesus is different than simply believing facts about Jesus or about God. Believing in Jesus means I'm placing myself in Him. I am trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so the gospel is something that we are called to believe in. And then that leads us to the final arrow, which is recover and pursue. Whenever we've experienced the gospel, our life becomes a pursuit of God's design, living out His will, seeking to know Him, bringing glory to Him through our lives, and ultimately experiencing the fullness of God in heaven and living with Him eternally in heaven. We recover the design that God originally had for our lives. That's the gospel. If you can draw three circles and three arrows, you can share the gospel. You say, I can't remember all that. You can use this. You can use other things. And they even give you the words to say. And, and you can just follow along. If you want to change the world, you start by loving the person right in front of you. So let me ask you this question. Who is your one? Who is one person in your life that you can invest in? One person in your life that you could be a witness to, that you could share the gospel with. I got a note from Samson Mall this week. On Easter Sunday over in Punjab, India, we had five people baptized in our Solid Rocks church. Amen? Amen. Uh, The story gets a little sad after that. One of the women that was baptized passed away this past week. But she lives eternally with God. Because the end of her story is not death. Her story is a story of life. Because someone cared enough to be a witness. Samson and Joy are just normal people. Normal people that live right here in this community that decided that they could be a witness. In fact, you may not know this about this story, but they spent six years trying to get up, trying to get an uh, Asian Indian ministry going here in Murphy. And they struggled with it, so they wound up going to Punjab, and God just said, (laughs) and did a great work there. Sometimes uh, God has things in store for us that, that we never envisioned. There's about, let's, let's, say there's 100, let's say there's 150 people in this room today that could just reach one person with the gospel next year. Well, then next year we would have 300 believers. And what if all 300 then reached one more? In about 10 years' time, we could have 307,000 new believers. If this multiplication kept on going, in 20 years' time, we could have 314 new believers. In 25 years' time, the entire population of the world could be changed by the good news. Maybe God knew what He was talking about when He said, be my witness. Just start right right where you are. Sharing the message, loving the person right in front of you, and caring enough about others. To share with them the most amazing news ever.
Who's your one? Who's your one? Would you guys be so kind as to bow your heads as we come to a time of commitment? The band's going to come. They're going to lead us in worship. Maybe today as I spoke, the Lord's really pressed upon your heart. And this needs to be the day that you yourself believe in Christ as Savior and Lord and respond to the gospel. I'll be here at the front during this next song. If that's you, I'd love for you to come and see me and talk to me. I'd love to pray with you and help you make this your moment where you respond to the gospel. I'll also be here after the service, and I can be glad to talk to you. You can leave here today being a believer in Christ. As our heads are bowed, who is that person that God has impressed upon your heart? Would you just start praying for them? Ask God to work in their life. Ask God to give you an opportunity. You say, Lash, I I don't have my one. I, I don't know who it is yet that God wants me to share my faith with. Maybe your prayer today just needs to be, God, help me. Bring somebody into my life that needs the gospel. Help me to get beyond myself so that I'm caring about others and I'm loving the person right in front of me and I'm I'm being this witness that you called me to be. And as a church, we pray that in our lifetime, in our generation, that we might see a movement of God that circles the world so that all people may know. Father, I thank you for this church. Lord, this church represents a gathering of believers in this community. And you have brought us together to be a church family. And yet you also call us out into our communities, into our homes, into our schools, our marketplaces, that we might be witnesses of the greatest news imaginable, the gospel. And Father, we pray for those individuals that will cross our paths this week and we may share Christ with. And we pray, Father, that you will give us the privilege of seeing people come alive in Jesus Christ. May the world be changed because of what happens right here. In Jesus' name we pray and worship. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.